0: Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing this morning? Welcome to the Christmas season of December. I've been looking forward to this for a very, very long time. Christmas season is my favorite season by far. I love the lights. I love the Christmas trees. uh, I love coming together as a family, and I love opening gifts. I love giving gifts. Everything about it. I love watching my kid rip through presents. It's like the coolest thing in the world if you have a small kid. Uh, They don't want to wait. They just want to get in there. They want to rip all the presents apart, and they want to see... Uh, what's inside. I have one announcement for you guys. Uh, Christmas Eve, we are going to have a Christmas Eve service. Um, I think it's very important for all of us to come together and just forget about the craziness of the season, of of making sure that we're here or there, or making sure we have the right gift, make sure we don't don't forget anything, and just stop for a minute and remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we are going to have that Christmas Eve service here at LCA at 5 p.m. here, and it's going to last around an hour, Um, We want to be sensitive to the kids' times. I have young kids, so I I know bedtime is very, very important. Um, But Christmas Eve service, 5 o'clock here at LCA, it's going to be really good. Um, But I would like to have a conversation with you guys today. Um, We are starting a new series called Hope in the Dark, and it's going to last for about four weeks. And when I went through this series and through this study a couple years ago, uh, I can say that this really did save my faith, and it really strengthened the joy I have in Jesus Christ, and the joy I have in every situation. Um, This series, for the next three weeks, is going to be very, very kind of intense. Um, This is going to be a very raw look on how we find hope when things are hard. Um, I want to encourage everyone for the next three weeks to try your best to come here and and worship. Um, These three weeks really do build on each other, on how do we find hope in Jesus Christ, when things are just not going well. How do we find hope in Jesus Christ when we hit rock bottom in our life? And I want to make sure that all of us together grow and really change as a community. I think if we take what we, what we learn here in the next three weeks, we really wrestle over it and we really take it to heart. I think we can change an entire community for Jesus Christ. So I'm going to start with this story. Uh, the year was 2018. And Kaylee and I had been trying to have kids for a very long time, um, and we realized that there was probably something medical going on and that needs to be addressed, so that we could able to so we were able to have, conceive. So we ended up going and we found a good doctor. We we went there and Kaylee had a bunch of blood tests, and we found out that uh, that Kaylee's levels were just slightly off, and it was going to need some sort of medical attention. So for the next year, she she was a very great trooper. She took so many different medications so that her body could heal and correct itself. And we prayed over and over every night for healing and correction. I remember uh, bringing it up to the elders of the church. I called my fellow ministers around the United States. I called my college back home to put it on the um, prayer list. I called my good friends, brothers and sisters in Christ here in Lexington and I said, guys, I need everybody to pray for the next year so that Kaylee can be healed from this. I had full faith that God would heal her in a moment. And up to this point in my, my, my walk with God, I had no reason to doubt that he was going to do that. Up to this point in, in my life, God has honestly taken, taken um, care of me and my family through every, every single circumstance. And I had zero reason not to trust his goodness up to this time. And in December of 2018, uh, we took a test. And we found out that Kaylee, in fact, was healed. And we were overjoyed by that. We, were, we, we cried tear, tears of joy. We left that doctor's appointment really optimistic. And at that moment, she was given a certain type of shot that would allow us to conceive a lot easier. And a couple of weeks went by, and we, fa- we took a pregnancy test And I remember this very, very vividly. Kaylee, for some reason, woke up really early in the morning, a little bit earlier than she normally did. I think she was feeling a little off. And I heard a scream from the other room. And I jumped out of bed and ran in because I either thought she was shot or she saw the most encouraging thing of the day because she reacted the exact same way when she's in pain or she's excited. And she comes, she goes, Rob, Rob, Rob. And I thought she had won the lottery. And she told me, we are pregnant, we're finally pregnant. And immediately we, we got an appointment, and we, we got this initial test done, and get this, if, if you haven't gone through this yet, you go and you get blood tests done, and you get a number if you're high-risk preg- pregnancy. And every couple of days, you go and do more blood work, and you make sure that that number is increasing by a lot. Uh, so we got the base number, it was pretty good, and then a couple days later, she went back and got uh, another test, and the number hadn't really changed. And the doctor's like, well, you know, sometimes that, that happens, sometimes it takes a couple days to get going, um, but we really need that number to double and triple over the next couple days. And then we went back for another thing, and, and Kayla and I have been praying, I, I called all the same people and said, hey, can you pray for us during this time? We don't know what's going to happen, call my, call my parents. And we got the number back, and the number had happily dropped like a ton. And over a phone call, I, I believe it was a phone call, um, the doctor said, look, the numbers aren't looking good, and there's, there's a really good chance that you're going to have a miscarriage in a couple days. And over the next couple hours, Kaylee and I sat in silence a lot. Um, we didn't know what to say to each other. Um, And then a couple hours later, I got in a car, and I was driving towards church, because I had to do youth group that night. And I remember driving in the car, and I had this honest conversation with God, with tears rolling down my face. I said, God, where are you? God, do you even care right now? Like, we've been trying so hard, and this just seems completely unfair in this situation. God, I've been so faithful to my life for you. I've done everything in my power to make sure I follow your will. God, where are you? And I remember in this moment, I I, I felt like I was in the dark and I was in desperate need of some hope in my life. See, there's a moment in God's story where the people felt the exact same way that I did towards God. And we have people called prophets, these are, you will find them throughout the entire Old Testament. These were people tasked with the uh, job of talking to God. And that can be a very extreme job, that can be a very uh, humbling job, that can be a very overwhelming job as we see in the prophets. And their main job when they talk to God is to relay that information to the people to make sure they're on the same page. And there was a moment in Scripture uh where there is a long gap between the prophet and when God heard from his pe- when when the people heard from God Malachi the very last book in the Old Testament this is what this is like the final words that they hear from the prophet it says this that God is relaying I will send my messenger who will prepare the, who will prepare the way before me then suddenly the Lord you are seeking, will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner fire or, or, or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purify the silver. And he will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver, silver then the Lord will have men who who will bring offerings offerings of righteousness and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be accepted to the Lord. As in days gone by, as in former years. See, after these people heard that there's a messenger to come, after they were excited, like, look, there's somebody coming before where God is finally going to come down to this earth. And then they heard nothing for 400 years. God was completely silent. We have no writings. We have no songs. We have no teaching of any kind to these people. For 400 years, they were given no guidance. And after 400 years, they had been waiting for this messenger. They felt like they had been waiting forever. During this time, God's people were no longer in control of their land because they decided they didn't want to be as faithful. They no no longer uh, could abide in their own government. Another government had come in and taken over. They were treated like crazy people who worship a God who did absolutely nothing. Even the kings who once feared God but did not worship Him came to the conclusion, well, that God must must be gone now. Maybe He defeated Himself. And in turn, the people... Uh, decided they weren't going to be fa- as faithful to the law anymore. They stopped treating the temple as holy and they started to just go through the motions one moment at a time. And in this moment, the people were like, God, where are you? God, do you even care in this moment? Why aren't you doing something to change the situation? We are in slavery right now. It just seems completely unfair. See, this sermon series is going to be a little difficult for some of you. And for some of you, it's going to be really encouraging because I know every single one of you knows somebody in your life that's in deep in their life, and they just don't know how to get back just consistent. This sermon series is not going to be a sitcom, a sitcom series. What I mean by that is it's not, normally sitcoms start out really great, there's a conflict, and then there's a great solution at the end, and, they, and everything is well, everybody's happy at the end. But this sermon series isn't going to be like that. After this this sermon, there might not be a conclusion. And the reason is because life isn't always like that. that. In life, sometimes there's no resolution. There's no conclusions. Sometimes it feels like conflict after conflict. Because once one conflict is over, it just another one starts right after that. See, maybe you and your wife are trying to have kids like me and my wife were and you just feel like this conflict is so deeply burdened in your life. And you have to sit back and you have to watch all these super fertile people just pop kids out left and right, and you have to somehow look at them and be super joyful. Maybe you're single in this moment, and you're just watching all your friends get married left and right, and you just haven't found that one person that you've been praying for forever. Maybe you have lost a job, and the next job that you got is just so much lesser than the job that you had, and you just feel like a failure in your life then some little Christian comes along meaning well and just says, just trust God. God's in control. You know, just let go and let God, if you've heard that before. And even though their intentions are so good, even though you love these people and they love you, you just want to take the biblical laying laying of hands on them and choke them right in front of them, if you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been in a position where you just feel like you're so low and in in, down in the pits, and you're asking, God, where are you? This is not a new concept in Scripture. We have, we have full books of Psalms. We have a full uh, book that's called Lamentations, where people are just fla- face, for, face down on the ground asking God, where are you? God, where are you in this moment? God, come in and change the heart of me. Come and change the heart of others. God, please heal me in this situation. We even have a a, a photo or an image of this prophet looking over all of Israel in this moment, asking God to change the heart of all of Israel so that they will follow him. How many of you guys have ever, ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? man it was a great day when i did that it felt like i was on the mountaintop of the world i felt like every worship song was was about me i felt like every baptism just cut to the heart of who i was i felt like every sermon that the senior minister or at camp or youth group was just like so in, in, insightful i thought it was just exactly what i needed to hear at that moment i felt like my soul was always filled with joy I walked through the schools, I walked through life, and it didn't matter what happened. I was just so excited because Jesus Christ was in my life. But then a crisis happened. And you start to go on that down slope. You feel hurt, you have some doubts, and you feel like you're headed down that mountain, and it terrifies you. I'm going to tell you guys at this point that most people in their Christian faith never actually get to the point where they're in the valley they never get to the point where they are all the way down at the bottom looking for something in their life because whenever something goes bad the new christians the new people in faith when they're going down the hill they get about halfway down the hill and that's when they throw in the towel They realize this is too hard. God said that he loves me. God's not real. If God wants me to experience pain, he he is not the God that I want to worship. And they just throw in the towel and they say, I don't want this anymore. But as we go down the mountain into the dark valley and we say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. As you go down to the depths of the valley, the one thing that we should be looking for is for God's faithfulness. We need to stop looking at ourselves and ask ourselves, what are the promises that God made to me? And has he delivered those things? See, when we're a new Christian, it's all about us. When we come to church, it's all about what we can receive, it's about what songs can sing with, what is the sermon going to impact in my life? What what is the scripture going to do for me? God, I want to go to church because I want to see people for me. But when you're down in the valley, when things are hurting really bad, you realize that it's not about you anymore, and the only thing that you need to do and you need to focus on is figure out where God has been faithful in your life. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, in one, of his, in one of his most famous writings, said this, and I think he has a really good insight in pain in our life. He said this, I'm not sure God wants us to be happy. I think he wants us to love and be loved, but we are like children, thinking our toys will make us happy and the whole world is our nursery. Something must drive us out of that nursery. And into the lives of others. And that something is suffering. Well many, many people don't understand in our Christian faith. Because most Christians don't get to this point. Is that we grow in suffering. Many of us don't understand because we don't actually reach the valley. Because we, we just want to bail the first time it really hurts. But we truly do grow in the valley. But why? Because the valley requires trust. It requires us to have faith that God's going to deliver us out of this valley. And it, does, and it, and it focuses and it, and it makes us search for the hope that we cannot get by ourselves. It, 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 fo- it makes us, re- require us to search for the hope that we can only receive from other people. That, that have Jesus Christ. See, when we're on the mountaintop, peaks are really nice. And you feel like you're on the mountaintop, you feel like the sermons are great, you feel like church is great, you might even feel like your friends to your left and right, you're just clicking on all cylinders. But you don't see very many farms on the mountaintop. If you've ever been down to Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, it's all hills and valleys. And I love going uh, into, into Knoxville and into Gatlinburg because you start in the valley and you slowly make your way up to the mountaintop. And you realize when you're down in the valley, it is the most green grass you've ever seen. It is the most green trees you've ever experienced. It feels like everything is blooming. It seems like everything is just firing all cylinders, but it's so dark down there. And when you get up to the mountaintop, you take a gondola up and you're, you maybe you're in, a, you're in a ski situation where you, and you can just see all the way down into Gatlinburg and you realize you look around and there's really not that many trees around. You realize that you just came up from a situation where it is so green down at the bottom but it's nice and snowy at the very top. You realize things don't really grow in the mountaintop. Yes, you're, you're, you feel like you're closer to God. Yes, you feel like you can study Scripture and it's not a burden. But in reality, things grow better in the valley. James 1, 2 through 8 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generosity to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all they do. I think this scripture right here is the key to the valley. And there's two aspects that we need to understand today if we are in the valley and we want to get out. The first thing is this. God understands your pain. God understands the pain you're going through. And I believe He is perfectly okay if you have that honest conversation with you where you go back and forth with Him, where you're screaming in frustration. I think it's okay to cry out to Him in confusion and in emotion in that moment and just lay out there what's on your heart. When Kaylee and I were going through that, I made a decision, uh, a, a very offhand decision, just to get away from ministry, get away from real life, this is a terrible idea, but I decided to paint my office. That was how I was I was escaping everything in my life, and my old office at my at the old church was the old church nursery. So there's good reason for this. So when you walked in my office, it was Noah's Noah's Ark all the way around, and I and I stared directly in the face of two giraffes every single day when I walked in the office. Now I didn't really find. I didn't really care that much, but I did start to mind when somebody made fun of me every time they walked in the office. It was like, oh, this must be the youth minister's office. There's drafts on the wall. So I was like, you know, this is a good time to uh, paint my office. And I mentioned that in staff meeting. They're like, what is everybody doing today? Make sure we're on the same page. And you are know, like, you know what? My whole, my whole week, I'm painting my office. That's the only thing I want to do. And my, the old senior minister I worked for, he's kind of crazy, and he said that he loves to paint, which I've never met anybody who says they like to paint. So it's like Tuesday at this point, and he, he comes in his paint clothes, and I was so tired and exhausted. He's like, you ready to paint? And I had forgotten that I said that I was going to paint. So I get the paint jugs out, and I get all the rollers that I bought the week before, and we're halfway through this this wall, and he asks, hey, how are you and Kaylee doing through the news of your miscarriage? Um, he had lost a, a kid in, in previous years, so I really cared about what he had to say. And I really wanted to lie in this moment. Like, I, I'd done such a good job in the previous month lying about how I truly felt and, 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 and all my frustration and hurt and my, and my anxiety of just peeking over and over again. But I couldn't lie to him. He's one of my best friends. And I, and I decided in that moment, I asked him if it was okay to just share what was on my heart, and he said yes. And I shared everything. I talked about how I was mad whenever I saw that other people got pregnant, which is I, I thought was so immature and I was actually beating myself up because of that. I, I was so frustrated about when I when I saw other people who weren't trying to get pregnant just get pregnant. I got frustrated when I saw even people that weren't pregnant already had little kids. I was just like so just mad at the whole world in every situation. And I went on and on and on about it struggle after struggle, and the whole way he didn't say a single thing. And after that, I sat in my office, and I said, okay, God, I've laid it all out there. I've shared it with a friend. I need you in this moment to help me remember how faithful you are. And that leads me to my second point. Once you share your pain with share it with somebody else listen to the wisdom that he gives you after you've shared everything after you've gone through that part just sit back and listen and have no doubts in your mind that God is going to deliver you I'm going to ask the band to come back up after you wrestle in your pain even after maybe you wrestle with God Make sure you listen and stay faithful. My entire Christian walk up to this point was mountaintops and valleys. Mountaintops, maybe I'd go down half, halfway, go back up halfway. But this was the very first time in my life that I hit all the way down, all the way down in the valley. If you're feeling that pain today, I want to encourage you that this is just chapter one of three chapters. If you're going down to the valley today, if, you, if you've been struggling for a while, and you're just trying to grasp and try to find where God is, I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Stay faithful, and stay obedient during this time. And rely on the people to your left and right. Don't give up when you're down in the valley. Because this is just part one of three. Don't give up before the game is even started or even finished. Because you'll get there. If you know somebody that is in a valley, I would encourage you today, don't tell them to let go and let God. I would encourage you today to just tell them, don't give up. Stay faithful. And I'm going to help you do it. Here at Elevate Christian Church, we often talk about the true meaning of love that Jesus shares to every single one of us. And if you know somebody that is struggling today, I encourage you to show that love to them today and forever until they get out of this valley. Go to them and carry the burdens as much as you can for them. If you know somebody that's going through pain, it's okay to tell them, persevere, persevere, don't give up. There is hope in the dark. And you will find it, and I will help you find that with you. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. God, I, I ask you that if there's anybody in this room that is in the dark, I pray that they continue in faith. In Scripture, it says, we need to ask of you to receive your wisdom And we need to make sure that we have no doubts because the person who has doubts will not receive your wisdom.